Hey everybody, um, welcome to the Human Source Codex podcast where we delve deep into the mysteries of life and reveal the hidden wisdom that lies within us all. Like, Join me today, I'm Kelly Ray, like your host of this podcast, as we explore the most controversial topics and uncover the truths that lie at the heart of our existence. From ancient spiritual practices to cutting-edge scientific discoveries, I'm going to leave no stone unturned. I can guarantee you that. I will be uh, controversial and truthful in the quest to expand our minds and open our hearts to the infinite possibilities that surround us. So sit back and relax and get ready to unlock the secrets of the Human Source Codex. And today our guest is Chris Henderson from BioLite. So I welcome Chris. Welcome. Thank and you. And I'm going to get Chris to uh, give an introduction about who he is and what he brings to the podcast today. What would you love to share to my listeners, Chris? For sure. No, I appreciate you having me on. And we met a couple of weeks ago and I really vibe with what you had to say. So that's why we're on today. Yeah, the the whole light, light and health matrix and rabbit holes is a big one that needs to be explored and not many people understand how light is so important for human health. You know, we understand in relation to like vitamin D potentially, but how the body um, uses like unseen wavelengths like near infrared to run the metabolism and how it, mainly indoor lighting and the this lighting that's been engineered is so foreign to our cells and our human processes. I'd like to uh, bring out how most of the light that we're involved with when we're in workspaces or home spaces is actually um, depleting us of energy. So I'd like to go down that sort of track, um, but also, you know, get very deep into maybe the, the quantum aspects of light. Maybe Absolutely. also that, that, like, like the right. evolutionary aspects, the adaptation aspects, post light, post, you know, um, asteroid event that killed the dinosaurs. Uh, we adapted to it in a certain way where we can actually make light within our own cells. Never knew that. Um, and and how, I don't know, like in Australia, it seems there's this controversial tension between light killing you and, and all these chronic diseases that we seem to be having much more in abundance than other countries. Like I saw some data the other day where Australia has some of the highest rates of autoimmunity in the world. Now, I'd like to know why, you know. Um, what's going on down under is my question. And the light aspect, I think, is a huge part of that, along with obviously electromagnetics and things of that nature. So, yeah, wherever you want to go with that. Um, I don't know. Do you want me to riff on my how I came into this? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, give us a beautiful intro on like how you, you got into light and why you actually love the this aspect of light. I mean, Man, I love light. I can't wait to get into this. So. I, had, I had no idea about the subject really in terms of how important it was until I had to suss out my own autoimmune conditions and my own illness. And my journey had me in a corporate career where I was working in an office under fluorescent lighting with LED screens and Wi-Fi. And within probably about six or eight weeks of working in that environment, I started to lose my eyesight. 
Now, I don't, these aren't prescription glasses. These are just filtering glasses for the screen. But I basically had to have prescription glasses in my late 20s because I'd lost my eyesight in this environment. I didn't know how. And then probably about six, eight months later, I developed a secondary autoimmune condition in that environment. So I had to basically unplug from that environment and then learn the aspects of functional medicine like diet, you know, environment, chemicals, heavy metals, all the things that you do to try and clean yourself out. And then it wasn't until three or four years down that track that one of my colleagues said, you have to watch Dr. Jack Cruz explain how, why light is important. And I just went down his rabbit hole, something chronic to try and solve this prescription glasses issue. And his protocols were very simple. Watch the sunrise and wear, you know, blocking glasses at night so you're not getting the artificial light in your eyes that is, you know, setting you off and affecting your sleep hormones. So I did that. And within, again, same period of time, like two months, my eyes basically regenerated and I didn't need prescription glasses. I threw them away. And from that, from that point really pushed me into looking at, okay, how do we design healthier environments? Because I got sick in a, in a really bad environment. So I also used to work in the lighting industry and I didn't understand what I was selling, but out of Jack's work, I understood that all this engineered technology works in a very narrow spectrum of blue and green light, where as humans, we're adapted for a, a wide band of full spectrum light, including unseen like UV, near infrared, all the different color spectrum that affects, has, has a frequency that affects all the chemicals in our body. Um, and what do we do? We put ourselves in a very narrow band for the majority of the day and wonder why our energy is tanked and we feel, you know, terrible. So um, I then partnered up with a couple of companies uh, specifically to develop um, light therapy and more importantly, healthier indoor lighting, which is part of the BioLite brand. Um, that I've developed to, to get more education to the public and electricians and building designers and people who, who put lighting in places that we live. Um, yeah, we yeah. spend, we do spend a, a, a vast amount of time actually inside under, underneath, uh, you know, artificial light. And I have to equate ourselves to a plant. Like if, you're a plant and you don't photosynthesize and you know you're going to end up like shriveling up and dying right so yeah, exactly so it's it, like yeah for sure yeah so we if we if we um don't have an understanding or consideration of that we are contributing to our our disease within our bodies if we're not taking the opportunity to provide ourselves with natural sources of light exactly exactly jack Dr. Jack Cruz is a pretty controversial figure because he, he's a neurosurgeon. He comes across fairly arrogant, but I sort of was able to see through that and understand he was saying that light's more important than food. But what he was really saying is that light controls everything. Like you said, it controls photosynthesis. It controls how cells absorb energy. Um, there's another um, expert called Alexandra, uh, Dr. Alexandra Wunsch. She's a photobiomodulation expert. So that's a doctor who understands how cells interact with light. And he hypothesized that two thirds of our metabolism runs off of near infrared light. Wow. Okay. And the visible spectrum of light or the, the light 
outdoors encapsulates around 50 odd percent near infrared light, red and near infrared light. So no wonder, right? Shocking? Well, not really. It's shocking that your system runs off light and the visible light that you see or can't see or visible and invisible light have a 50% uh, factor that runs you because well, we're adapted in this environment. We are. And I find it absolutely fascinating that a lot of people don't have the comprehension of this because I, in, in my work as a human behaviorist, it's all about like integrating perceptions to create light within within us. And yeah. so yeah. when we when we have a, a polarization of opposites, we actually create in darkenment or we distort the light. So therefore it becomes you become denser in vibration. And when we can actually integrate, you know, the the polarities of a proton electron, like in our perceptions, we actually birth light. So we're creating a photonic state. So, and because when we realize that, that our, I love the fact that you say, you know, like our, we are light. And so therefore our cells are light. Our organs are light. Like they, they need to synthesize. Like I call it synchronize and synthesize opposites to be able to have, have a, a higher vibration way of living so why wouldn't it be any different to external light if we if we're using polarized light which is not synthesized then we're going to be in a denser frequency is that correct denser frequency and vibration which would have an effect um on on our on our physiology so if we go in maybe Maybe for the listeners, we can explain what light is as a wave and a particle and electromagnetic frequencies. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, there's that wide spectrum of of EMF that we're, you know, that we're, I don't know, depending on what your, I guess, belief is in terms of how we came about. Um, we've had this interacting with our systems for millions of years, and it's just the last 200 years that we've drastically altered that um, exposure, like the type of wave and particle you're talking about, man has now interfered with it to such a degree that we call it an alien sun. We've recreated something that does not compare to the millions of years of adaptation and evolution that the body has undertaken. And now we're seeing what in the last... 30, 40 years, such a massive, massive increase. I shouldn't even say 30, 40 years. I should say the last 20 years, a massive increase of diseases of modern um, times, including autoimmunity, which is my sphere because, you know, uh, I, I might even go into that aspect of my own health because absolutely, I, I, had, an auto, I had an autoimmune disease uh, of the um, gastrointestinal region of the body uh, when I was 18 years old but I, I, I'm from the UK originally and I emigrated here when I was 10 years old and I came to Queensland when I was 10 and lived an idyllic outdoor life basketball surfing you know hiking every time we could make it outdoors we did and I was not sick I'd never had sickness I wasn't sick at all when I, when I finished high school, I went back to the UK to do university. 
And because their um, the hemispheres are different with their schooling, I finished school here and had to wait six or seven months to get into university in September. Guess what I did for that six or seven months? Wow. I worked night shift in a fluorescent lit factory for all that time. And then when I went to uni, it shifted into winter. I saw no daytime light. And when I came out of uni, it was dark. Wow. <laughs> so I, I totally shifted. One, you know, my whole metabolism. Two, my vitamin D tanked. Vitamin D, and this is a, you know, going down the vitamin D rabbit hole. Vitamin D is not a vitamin. It's a hormone. And, and we know hormones are and, very, very important. And that hormone is utilized as the purpose to actually synthesize light within our system, isn't it? You, and that's the thing that we have a problem with in Australia. We mm. cannot synthesize the light that we're getting because our skin and our whole system is not is so out of whack. Um, for example, like melanin is how we um, synthesize light. So we understand melanin as in your skin. You also have melanin in your eyes. You also have melanin in your brain. And that's how we synthesize light. But the modern environment is destroying our melanin. The, 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 the modern EMF and lighting environment is destroying the melanin in our, in our system. So we can't so utilize the light we get. Right, so it's not actually entering or penetrating the places that it's meant to to actually synthesize, biosynthesize and then um, reconstitute into what healthy vibrational states of being. So, yes, what, exactly. so in the essence of that, um, you know, it's interesting that you do bring that up because I've spent a fair bit of time, like in the Northern Hemisphere, actually um, living in what I call like it's snow and the sun doesn't get up until you know eight o'clock in the morning then down by four and it's constantly gray because of the snowing and yeah. the and and the the rates of depression and the rates of what I call lower vibrational perceptions or uh humans was quite phenomenal for me to actually witness that and so the external environment does play an important role on our internal environment and how we can actually maintain states of homeostatic balance. But if we don't have the understanding of how to do that perceptionally, we uh, should potentially look at how that we could do that, uh, you know, existentially or outside of ourselves by utilising appropriate lighting to be able to assist what this vessel, this human vessel was designed for not in a in a synthetic form so what would how would somebody um have an awareness about their light like i'm sitting here in my in my uh podcasting office room and i've got you know the ring light here and these lights up here and then i've got the blue lights down the bottom and uh natural light outside which you know i've tried to filter out because it's going to make my back look like crap you know so we come into what it, we we subordinate to what what we think is uh, aesthetically pleasing, but it's not actually creating a beautiful balanced environment for this vessel to actually live in. So how what 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 is some things that people can be aware of, or how can they actually um, change change their lighting to actually maximize their potential? Yeah, it's a great 
it's a great start. You go, okay, what do I do? And mm. you can understand, um, you know, they've engineered blue light because blue light keeps your cortisol high because your stress hormones high. It keeps you functioning at that, that I guess, resonance that is busy and active. You know, the brain's activated. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, when you get into the nighttime, we sort of still have all these this type of frequency running with all this blue light. And even the, the LEDs that they have engineered, the warm white LEDs, they say, oh, well, I, I've got the warm white LEDs in the house. So it's less um, visually stark, but it's predominantly green light, which degrades your melatonin. So at night, I, I'm not too fussed about blue light during the daytime because that's how we're engineered. We have engineered better daytime lighting that's um, more congruent with sort of the spectrum of outdoor light, which we can get into. Um, But my main concern is when that sun goes down, you're still getting exposed to levels of artificial light or blue light that have your whole chemistry and system stuck in a state of, say, 4 p.m. mode. Right. Okay. And... What would be the drawback to the physiology of being stuck in a 4 p.m. mode? So as you're actually, so so melatonin and cortisol are bed are bedfellows. As cortisol dips, you know, melatonin goes up. In the absence of the light environment or, or in response to the light environment, remember I said you have like receptors on your skin and your eyes for light? Yeah. So that means that whatever lighting environment you have, post sunset via the the receptors on your skin and your eyes be sending messages to your brain to create that specific hormone pattern or chemistry specific to that light environment so if it's predominantly blue or green light that means you never are able to release melatonin because the signal for melatonin is the absence of blue light wow so so that would be contributing to like insomnia um, aging, uh, stress, the whole gamut of everything, and then sending the whole order up our immune system into a states of chaos, stress chaos. Exactly. And neurodegeneration, you need adequate amounts of melatonin to have the brain signal to reduce in size and flush and detoxify at night. Like it's now we're seeing Parkinson's and Alzheimer's and neurodegeneration come in at an earlier rate you know there's obviously toxins and heavy metals but if you haven't been able to flush and detox your brain for 20 years guess what you're wow. prime prime time and i mean look they do studies on shift workers one the incidence of cancer is higher and your degeneration is higher interesting because, interesting you know the natural ebb and flow of metabolism and and then repair is broken and that so is, there, there is a constant state of uh, uh, chaos that's occurring. So therefore, the body's put into stress, stress, and therefore starts to go into what I call entropic breakdown, and therefore it goes into the aging process, and that's where disease starts to actually occur. Which is beautiful because now we have an understanding that um, as as taking accountability and responsibility for our own health and well being. Uh, being able to access pure sources of light 
external light is something that can contribute to you, A, anti-aging, B, being able to uh, maintain health and well-being and C, having extra amounts of vitality and energy too as well. Would that be correct? Yeah, 100%. So when I say coach someone about light, you know, the, the conversation is, you know, how much natural light can you squeeze sometimes when you're getting natural light in during the day? So 10 minutes in the morning. And the morning is actually quite critical. You know, I said I healed my eyes by watching the sunrise. There's actually, we're actually, there's a timing mechanism of light where the sun is at a certain number of degrees in the sky, where that frequency synchronizes with the proteins and catalyzes um, the, the chemistry to create melatonin in you. Mm-hmm. If you don't get that, you miss that. You miss that ability to create that um, important uh, chemical. And so at what stage is that as the sun is actually rising? Because there's quite a lot of um, theological aspects that's related to sun gazing too as well. Like the the mystics of Christianity used to sun gaze and, and, of course, so do the Buddhists. So when you start to hear these particular things out of um, the wisdom from the ages, from yeah. these spiritual aspects, are also now showing up. Well, they've been around for ages, but bringing into awareness, bringing into like modern perception of watching the sunrise. So is there a particular time relative to, to sunrising to, to start your sun gazing? I think it's between sunrise and about 10 a.m. That's the, there's a, there's like a a factor of a few hours. That's the most critical point. And then obviously what you have, depending on where you are in the world, is that the UV then kicks in. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of a shutoff point for the other things. Well, this is really interesting because we've also been so conditioned about blocking out UV, you know, like, Today, the UV is this, this, go and put on your 100 plus sunscreen and make sure you don't get skin cancer. But so what is the, the, let's just say, the most balanced, safe place for us to actually go and enter into the sun relative to UV? And how long will we need to expose ourselves to, to that degree of ultraviolet light? There's a great look. I, I'm not big on mobile phones, but you can get an app called D Minder. So it's D okay. Minder, and mm-hmm. you can plug in all your metrics and where you are, longitude, latitude, skin type, sex. If you're taking supplementation, it just pumps out a, a time, a best time that suits you for your skin. Um, so I like to use that to get straight to the point because that that doesn't really lie. You put your own metrics in, yeah. and look, it doesn't have to be the the problem that we have. And you can go to the Cancer Council's own website in Australia, and they basically say indoor workers have high incidences of melanoma than outdoor workers. Now, why would that be? Well, one, when you're outdoor, you've got to actually develop enough melanin in the skin as a natural protective agent against, you know, more the the UV factor. Um, So if you're, for example, a white European indoor office worker that's worked in under natural under very narrow bands of artificial light during um 
the week and then you go to this go out in the to the beach and you've got your sunglasses on which is basically blocking uv light going in your eyes which means your body chemistry doesn't totally changes and then you've slipped on sunscreen i think you're probably a, a high candidate for melanoma that's almost like um we we're actually um how can i say it like i would say you know I like to desensitize myself to to uh, most things so that um, I can adapt. And as Darwin said, those who adapt have the greatest aspect of being able to survive. So putting yourself, those who adapt to ever-changing environments are the ones that actually survive. If you can't adapt, you will die. So yes. if, you're, if you're in a constant state of maladaption and wanting to avoid these particular things, what you avoid, you attract. So... Yeah. So, it's, the, so I it's love like that. Got, it's like you've got the um, the accelerator and the brake on at the same time. Mm, yeah, it's, and it's uh, just, what does that say? And what what does it say about um, belief systems relative to people just? I'm gonna, you know, like the mass just following uh, herd mentality of being, oh, you know, we hear this on the news or we hear this on on uh, that that basically the sun gives you skin cancer so go go and put all these particular things on but they don't go and do the research and find enough data to actually prove that they just take that as gospel yeah well, look it's it's rife i mean we all know that it takes about 25 years for any decent solid research to filter it down to any clinical aspect so you have to go researching when i started to research about light I um, I tried to pull out studies that were done in Australian universities, and I came mm -hmm. across some really interesting stuff. One was that Curtin Uni had done um, testing on, well, not testing, I'm assuming they did testing, on anyone south of the Queensland border for vitamin D during winter. And basically, over half of um, people living down south were deficient. And, and I assume those ranges they were looking at were normal ranges right and they're very narrow they're really too narrow um you need to be very like a have a higher level of vitamin d so that's like a, a crazy thing like on one on one on one hand the cancer council saying um don't let the sun touch your dna on the other hand there's massive amounts of vitamin d deficiency leading to every single like you can just do research on pubmed like lack of uv or, or low vitamin d is indicated in every um chronic disease process including well, cancer i remember um you know i used to work outside like quite a bit when i was training horses every day i'd be up at four o'clock in the morning with the sun and uh potentially go down with the sun so you know like i synchronize myself with that and uh and potentially uh you know i could say easily that i was 12 out 12 hours outside and i wasn't one to wear a big hat because it it made me sweat so i just wore a peak cap and uh just a basic set of sunglasses that's it that still could access i've got three gyms to prove it um is and the going and having you know regular routine blood tests etc i remember distinctly 
challenging my GP because he said to me, oh, your vitamin D is low. And I was like, well, how can that be? I'd probably be more, spend more time in the sun relative to most people and um, equate that to a surfer who's in the sun. I'd be almost the same as that. And, um, and then so I went and did the research and it sounds like because I was in West Australia, so like Curtin University, um, had done that study, then all of a sudden, you know, there became the, the norm for doctors to start, well, you need more vitamin D, you know, to prescribe vitamin D or sell a thing. So whether they had shares in some supplement com- com- company, and then you do the research a little further and you realize that it is a supplement company that has actually like backed the research. Yeah. So yeah, that's the thing like that you can take, like you said to me, when we met, you've got to take it with a grain of salt. You've got to sort of, apply to the real world and see who's behind everything. I mean, it's interesting you bring your, that what comes to my mind in terms of vitamin D um, being low, essentially vitamin D is also a mineral story, right? You need fat, other fat soluble vitamins. You need other minerals insufficiency to be able to synthesize vitamin D. So it's not just a story of the sun. It's a, it's a whole package story of, of, of minerals and other fat soluble vitamins that go together. And that when we, we do testing, we do a hair test that looks at minerals, which is really, really mm-hmm. important. So mm-hmm. I like to, I like to incorporate that into it. And, you know, plus, you know, like I said before, your whole system needs to be working. That melanin needs to be working for you to use that light. And, and essentially you, you need to prepare your skin uh, in the afternoon, red and near infrared, red and nearer infrared light prepares the skin to take UV in. So it's right. not just a balance of going out into the light and hoping something sticks. It's it's a whole sort of preparation process of prepping your skin. Um, that's why like red and near infrared panels have become really um, very popular. You know, for skip for healing for wound healing. As it prepares the skin and then you can take in more uv light from that point so um again that forgetting about buying a panel just adding times in during the day we can get you can get like most of your skin in the sun a lot of people like you you might have been in the sun but invariably like you need like your your back your butt and your fatty parts to have exposure is that is that why we see we're seeing lately like in a lot of the esoteric new age thing is like um doing sun gazing with the butthole? Yeah, like, like the, the anal. The anal, what what do they call it? Um sun- <laughs> Yeah. Some will put something where the sun don't shine. But um yeah. this is crazy. You wouldn't believe the re- I've done further research and maybe this this research didn't have a supplement company backing it because the results wouldn't have um really meant much to them but they had a group of women um who used um probiotics versus those who used uv light on the tummy and those who uh use uv light had a massive shift in the diversity in their microbiome wow so that means bacteria and light actually also express light and it's a communication of light between the outside and the inside of the body. Um, mm-hmm. It's absolutely crazy. And there's other research done in the field, not some lab isolated with mice, but in the field in Africa where um, those who live on the equator in Africa, they get so much UV, right? 
Mm-hmm. And you know, I said UV was tied to vitamin D. We understand that. But vitamin D controls all of the innate immune system, which is the non-specific immunity against anything that comes into your system. Remember that innate immunity that's you know during COVID that's lost, you know. We don't have innate immunity. You need XYZ manufactured immunity. Um, so down in Tanzania, the researchers down there were fit, um, would would do this really interesting test where they'd you'd have those um, indigenous folk that lived outside the city on ancestral diet, grounded. There was no EMF there. They lived like they had been doing for thousands of years. Then another part of their tribe would get paid in American dollars for being the the tourist um, guys that take them into the national parks. So those guys lived somewhat ancestrally, but used the American dollars to sort of, what's the word, imbib into our Western culture that was coming in. So drinking Coke, smoking marijuana, smoking cigarettes, eating shitty food. And they were testing, the research was the human gut project. So they were taking microbiome, samples from soil from stomachs of zebras they'd killed from the environment and they found something crazy they found that the microbiome was just as diverse in these folks that were just like eating shitty food and drinking like coke and having antibiotics it would not disrupt their microbiome because their system was so integrated on the equator with high uv that their gut lining, like their gut lining will repair within 24 hours because their vitamin D levels were so high, their immune system was repairing everything or their, their system was repairing as, as it was designed to. So just like you said, this ad- adaptation, mm-hmm. their environment was fueling the, their adaptation. The, the, whatever they were trying to adapt to wouldn't hit the sides. Wow. And it'd be interesting, you know, were they completely authentic in that space too without, you know, they were just being in in without much stress, you know, perceptual stress. But, uh, yeah. yeah. They smoke marijuana, so they were probably chilled. Were. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, it's probably um, like West Indian smoking dope. But nothing, they, nothing could affect their micro, their gut lining. And, and what the researcher was saying, the researcher was actually going to do another experiment and bring them to New York City, mm-hmm. see how they would adapt to that environment living in that space. So it's like a real come to America, right? Like, but then COVID hit and they couldn't do it or something. So I don't know. It's it baffles me because someone in our environment, living in our modern environment, where their microbiome is so depleted, you take a test from our microbiome and it looks like the cat's microbiome or the dust or the mold particle from our environment where their their microbiome looks exactly like the environment they live in, which is outdoors. Mm-hmm. And well, we get sick and we take antibiotics and I've seen clients get an autoimmune disease after having six weeks of antibiotics. How do you, what's the difference in, in these people compared to our lifestyle where they can take antibiotics and have total gut repair and turnover within 24 hours. What, do, some, you, what do you perceive the difference is? The I perceive, to me, 
it's it's the the strength of the environmental um, electromagnetic field they're in that's controlling all those processes. And and so inside of that, being equatorial, so there's a balance of light and there's a balance of dark, right? And so there's also a balance of temperature in that in that place too, isn't there? Is that correct? I, I would just I'm not an anthropologist, so I'm not I wouldn't I'm not in geography or anything. I just I I'm basically third party riffing this story that was real world, right? It wasn't in a lab, it was from a sure. research very oh. hard to do very hard to do research in those environments because most researchers go and they get sick and they can't do the length of research that, that Jeff Leach did. Um, and he did an amazing um, I'd like to put it in the notes. It's called I think it's called rising from the pond or something like that. I don't know. I can't remember. Interesting. Well, you know, going back to um, adaptation and evolution and those that have the ability to be able to adapt to ever-changing environments are the ones that actually sustain life and actually evolve in species, those that don't become extinct. And from, you know, the work that I do relative to human behaviour, when we're working with um, integrative components of people's perceptions, uh, we've noticed that we see that people that have the ability to integrate their perceptions are the ones that are able to adapt and evolve like throughout massive changes. And in, in my work, it is when you're looking at perceptions, what we're doing is actually birthing photons inside of the body through, through your own perceptions. Because when we have a separation of the particles and we polarize our perceptions in what I call um, uh, ratios, we, we polarize through ratios of perception. So we can use bipolar, for example. That's where we will, we will actually split a photon. I mean, split a photon, and we have a proton electron that becomes so far apart, and the wave in the particle becomes like a a, a a denser a denser formation. So therefore, they're more prone to actually experiencing disease, or they're maladaptive to environmental changes relative to their perceptions. So that's why I asked the question, you know, like if those people that are living on the equator are in a balance of light through uh, external environmental circumstances and then their internal part of that didn't have much stress, smoking, yes. you know, eating the food that they perceive, then potentially, you know, that microbiome would be able to survive. And when we look at the the aspects of the separation of light within our, our own ecosystem into in, in darkenment, it changes the vibration and frequency of of you know the neurons within within us, and and then we we start to actually go like break it breaks down. It, so it, it's no different to a plant, like I mentioned before, that doesn't get enough light or water, or it's out of equilibrium, it starts to break down and, and um, go into entropy, which we call disease. So we can see that inside of ourselves, we have the ability to be able to access our own light. And this, this also too has been shown through the ages through multiple different um, religions or spiritual aspects, components, hidden in lots of many different things. 
And now we're seeing it in quantum physics. We're also seeing it in physics and it's being demonstrated like through science uh, for, for a long time. So when, when we actually birth like photons within inside of us, we, in my world, we, we call it like you enter into a boson state and a boson is basically um, it's, it's not able to be destroyed. So it, it has a, it has a higher form source of energy. So the closer that we can actually equilibrate our internal environment with our external environment, we, we actually increase our vitality, we increase our energy, and uh, you know, we reduce our ability to, we, we, we reduce uh, disease within ourselves. So exactly. we like to say like it is an anti-aging and anti, um, you become the most healthy that you possibly can be. So, but it's important to have an understanding of what's happening on the internal as well as the ex external. And just as we mentioned before, that um, the sun can kill you, but it also, you need the sun to actually keep you alive. So we could say the sun or light is a paradox in, in some form. So when we can find that healthy state of, of balance between life-sustaining uh, you know, life force, then yep. that's the place where I would have a preference to actually play in. So having the awareness in external components of all of the things that you've actually mentioned is, is quite valuable, you know, in bringing in light. Yeah, exactly. And I love the exactly. fact you obviously the way you coach people and what comes to mind is because we're on the cutting edge and you're definitely on the cutting, cutting edge of, you know, it's trying to get more and more people into aware an awareness that they have, need that balance between the external and internal. But sometimes we just get stuck either on one or other plane. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Just what, com what came to mind in terms of the adaptation, I'm just thinking of, of those equatorial Africans. What you find is when they move, say they move to, a, say, a higher, a northern hemisphere, say they go to Michigan or something, live in the snow or go to Sweden, You'll find that a lot of them, they have their eyes are yellow, right? Because they can't. They need you need high UV lights to um, synthesize bilirubin. So that's right. a, that's a slow adaptation to an environmental change that's too quick for their mm -hmm. system. You know, it doesn't happen to all of them, but the darker, darker ones it does happen to. So they're adapted for high levels of UV light as opposed to us from Europe. That yeah. the, the adaptative process allows you to farm UV from nothing, right? Because you know the lighter you are, the, the more the more ability you have to take in every single you know, as you say, that photon and that particle um, mm -hmm. be as as efficient with it as possible. So we have this cross crazy thing since they designed the airplane, right? Like now we can live anywhere we want in any environment. And okay, if you're going to do that, you'll have to, you know, get some Kelly Ray coaching and get yourself sorted <laughs> out because, you know, we're yeah. doing things at a much, like you talk about a quantum speed. That's what I'm saying. The last 200 years versus the last million years or, or such, it's just changing so rapidly that we need to change as quick as those changes are coming in. Absolutely. And, and, and this is where we, we, we look at the, the true evolutionary approach is that when we accept evolution 
And we, because evolution has been happening for eons, you know, it's not, and we don't become a victim to it. And yes. we provide ourselves and source ourselves with quality information by obtaining data to answer all of the questions. I call it objectifying is that then you can and you will be able to adapt and evolve with an ever-changing environment. Um, but if you if you actually hold and, and go into what I call the blame, blame, blame game of evolution, then you're going to go into, into entropy as opposed to syntropy and you'll start to actually break down because you're actually going against nature. And we can say that potentially like, okay, but it's not real nature because man has created these synthetic components yes that is that is absolutely true but yet it's still a part of the evolutionary component for uh i could say the next for evolutionary um um transformation of consciousness for the next stage of whatever humanity is going to be and that's a whole other podcast i'd like to dive deep into on that one but we, we won't do that today because it might just like completely blow people's minds with, with that. So as we, as we can, if we find ourselves like coming into a question and interesting to me, like the word question even means iron, iron, ion on a quest, which is physics, right? Which is just light looking to actually uh, synthesize with each other to birth light. And, you know, in my world, light um, is where all information is actually stored on charged particles of light. So when we can obtain enough information or data, we actually do birth light. But that's what we call a light bulb moment, right? Yeah. So, so that's exactly what's happening because it, it comes into you and you go, oh, shit, that makes sense, right? Or it, you feel it over your whole sensory body. It's like you have this innate knowing, oh, yeah, that's good. That's, oh, yeah, yeah, that's good. You know, like I get it now. And so in that moment, you've just adapted and you're able to then progress and move forward. But if you're, if you're in a place of um, uh, subjectively bias, you know, projecting upon that it shouldn't be something, then you're separating the wave and the particle and you're separating the, the proton electron and you're creating a vast distance between that. So you're going more into an darkened state and uh, creating more stress and cortisol on your, in, inside of your internal system. So therefore that's maladaptive. And that's where we, yeah. we start to break down as opposed to, as I say, like going into syntropy, we go into entropy. No, exactly. And I, I think I, I get what you're saying because you can you can be aware of an issue, but then go so far into the, um, I guess, the, the state where you're retracting on it because it's mm -hmm. that you're just, you will kill yourself, you know, from an inside out. So for me, I try to keep it as, it's almost depending on where the person's coming from. Like we live in a, in a, in a, in a society where this information is not understood or known by anyone virtually, even in the health space. So it's like, you're trying to bring people up to speed internally and externally as quickly as you can. And that's going to be, you've got to give people just little bits of information at a time to process and integrate 
So for me, like I told, I said before I started, I was at a, a friend's house um, mm-hmm. doing a little bit of an EMF assessment, giving her an idea of how her phone is emitting. And I'm I'm not against technology, but she thought that her phone in flight mode was in flight mode when she was in bed. But guess what? It wasn't in flight mode because the phone she has, there is no flight mode. She has a dual SIM in it, which is pumping out 24-7, and she has it under a pillow. I said, well, you have to just power it off. You're, you're think, the only thing I'm leaving with to do is power your phone off while you're sleeping, and that's all I'm leaving you with to do. And that's it. So that she can have a state of balance, which her body is designed to do, not to have EMF frequencies actually come from underneath a pillow like <laughs> and resonate through her head. So yeah, exactly. And it's it's still it's the light and it's the yeah. it's keeping the balance of light and dark. And I understand that most technology that has been built and we use today in our modern world and life and has created our modern world and our ability to even do this. So how can mm-hmm. we be critical, right? But there is a time when the sun goes down and everything needs to shift in another way, right? For you to be able to repair properly and not so in remove appearances. So we come back to having having an awareness or full consciousness of creating your own sentiment of balance of, um, you know, we have, we have the phone and, you know, we use this for however many day, hours in the day, but yet it's not designed for us to have it on our ear or around our head or that for 24 hours a day, yeah. you know, add time into it, is to create... Uh, your equilibrium space relative to that so that you can honour this vessel in what it actually does require to, to be able to have rest and repair. And then the way, and the way, the most bluntest way and quickest way to get to that point is to tell people all man-made frequencies of blue light, EMF, Wi-Fi, et cetera, post-sunset, destroy melatonin. Right. Right. And if you're destroying and degrading that melatonin, you'll never get to the REM sleep or the reparative sleep. Like melatonin runs apoptosis, autophagy, the, the, the cell repair processes. Mm-hmm. So if we haven't got that balance, and I love that, the balance. So we're not telling people you can't use it. I often get like accused of, oh, you're anti this or anti that. I'm not anti anything. Like it's like vodka. Like we had a joke when we met. With, with my friend who does the EMF assessments. It's like, you can enjoy vodka, but if you want to have it 24-7, seven days a week, you'll end up in the morgue. I mean, mm-hmm. have a day's rest from it. Exactly. And that that is exactly what we're saying here is, is find a balance of, um, of, you know, with your EMF devices and light, Wi-Fi and all those particular things and and be able to, get out into nature as well where those things are less and not be in synthetic light for 20, 22, 23 hours a day. Yeah, and then blue blue exists in nature, right? But not mm-hmm. on its own. With a full spectral class of all the other other octaves of light light exactly. to be able to synthesize life. So that for- the antidote to blue is red and near infrared. Right. They're the, They're the complementary opposites. They're the complementary in energy. So, so blue is very energy dense. 
Mm-hmm. Very so when so we'll give a real world example here, me losing my eyesight and almost everyone needing glasses these days because we're getting pumped with shortwave blue light from our devices is mm-hmm. a very energy dense um small particle that gets right behind the eye and destroys the retinal cells, cause a lot of oxidative damage because it's by itself on its own. Poor little buggers on its own, it's got nothing with him. In the real world, in environmental light, the blue is there, but it's balanced by a really long wave red and near infrared. Near infrared will penetrate right through you and actually re-energize the cell ATP. So mm-hmm. when I'm I'm not gen- I'm generally outside with this laptop. Yeah. So I have no mm-hmm. problem. I've not having any eye problems, no eye strain, no headaches, nothing. Because the, the I have the antidote around me. Mm-hmm. And it's in its nature, right? In its yeah. natural form that we were designed to actually be be in. But through conditioning and perceptual belief systems that we have to have to, anytime I hear the word have to, should, ought to, need to, it means that it is an external projection of somebody else's value system to actually control you or to direct you in something that is going to give them greater benefit than what you are. So yeah, having exactly. having that understanding of that is again we come back to um, what is what is the balance that this this human biological form actually requires for the highest form of life, life sustainability is to have a balance of being in nature, in in light and also outside of EMFs and uh, uh, you know synthetic light. And in synthetic environments, you know, exactly. I, I basically lived on a ranch most of my life, and and so for me, it's imperative that I do spend a fair amount of time actually outside. And today, like I live on the beach, so I'm down there with the the negative ions of the of the beach, or um, you know, or, or walking or climbing mountains, those particular things, and and being out in nature, whether it's raining, whether it's sunshine. It's still taking myself and having and providing a balance of light and dark and nature. But we come across most people say, oh, I don't have time for that, you know. They're, they're constricting themselves in their perceptions to um, their work environment or the perception that they need to make money, et cetera, to provide the life that they have. Or I hear quite regularly, oh, I don't have enough energy to do it. Well, this is the very reason you don't have enough energy to do it is because you're not in the the most life-giving sustainable force of light. You're in the synthetic light, which is depleting your energy. It's actually, yeah, it's actually. You're in a, you're in a net negative. Um, I love that what you said. It's all tying together at the back end because you know you talk about ad- adaptation. Mm-hmm. Adaptation comes through challenge. And like that stressful situation. So when you're going out at the beach, when it's raining, when it's sunny, when it's windy, that's building adaptation capacity inside of you. If mm-hmm. you're just, if you can't, you know, if you want to sit in your smart home with your, and click your app that puts the nice heating on and, and it's always um, non-threatening and comfortable, you lose the adap- ability to adapt. Exactly, because then it's like, oh my god, I can't go outside; it's too hot. 
you know. So, so again, that's another thing, like going back to sunglasses, I used to wear sunglasses all the time, but you're conditioning your eyes to be, mm-hmm. to not take in that light. You're not taking the UV light and they go, oh, but the sun's too, you know, it's too visually, um, you know, uh, stark. Well, you're training that in your eye, you know, because of just this thing. And again, those perceptions, those messages. Um, I I did the uh, Wim Hof um, breathing and ice bath Mm-hmm. Challenge, I don't know a couple of years ago and that really pushed me out of the comfort zone and really opened my eyes to that that stress that you have to push through and the benefit you get from that so if anyone if you can take anything from this is you have to challenge yourself outside of those comfort zones yes we look we've designed lighting you know blocking glasses to make sure we're not getting those external effects from the in- indoor environment trying to make them you know as 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 balanced as possible but doing that is not going to be an exchange for doing the things you said getting out getting in nature great building capacity to adapt i love the fact that you've brought in that um we've been over conditioned to actually seek pleasure and avoid pain right mm. and it i have this saying that maximum growth occurs at the border of support and challenge so again we need to be able to have a certain amount of challenge to actually constitute growth. And if we're constantly desensitizing ourselves, we're going into pleasure and we're avoiding that, that perception of pain. Now, we could say that we've been conditioned to actually do that, and that's a whole other podcast around, you know, um, behavior, human behavior relative to what we have been what we've come into creation of today relative to that. But having the awareness that I like to use the analogy that no tree will grow strong and tall without the four aspects of nature. They have to withstand a storm. They have to have their, their branches broken off and their leaves blown. They are in the daylight, you know, excessive heat, et cetera, and the excessive cold. So all of those elements are what actually help it to grow towards, you know, a a more vibrant life-sustaining being or tree. We are the same. We are exactly the same. But the more that we are leaning towards what I call hedonism and Mm. we we become hedonistic and we're on the hedonic treadmill, we're avoiding that. That is where disease is becoming so rife because Conscious, unconsciously, humanity is creating that within themselves. So they are the very cause to their own effect. Yeah, that's I love that. Yeah, for sure. And then when you come to awakened, I guess awake and go, well, where do I go? It's important to get the right people um, connected to because the internet and the the holistic health space is rife with bogus stuff as well, right? Like ready yes. to force you of your money and ready to hack into that low dopamine state and you know yeah yeah very aware of that um it's actually next week next week i've got somebody uh we're going to jump into that topic actually around um you know the toxicity around promoting dopamine states and avoiding you know cortisol states or avoiding uh testosterone norepinephrine states etc and the right. purpose of these particular components within side of our system and what they are a service to of, of us as, as humans. So no, it's interesting that the, the fact 
you know, with these phones and things. I think Harvard, what's that that uh, um, documentary that came out? It was social net, not the social network. The one where Harvard basically said, oh, shit, there's a problem. Um, mm-hmm. This is hacking dopamine. And we're sorry. And you'll have to try and unhack it. Um, I heard some interesting information out. I don't know, maybe surveys from 19 to 25 year olds. Basically, they got jack of this and they're going back to um, dumb phones and getting back out into nature. Like that's the highest uptake of those types of phones, reverse engineering. They seem to have gone, hang on, we're getting hoodwinked here and this is not what it's all about. That's beautiful. You know, like we see that there's different states of consciousness that's actually arising relative to um, their values as such, you know, like those people that are actually addicted through hedonism to the dopamine hits or the, I call the crack hits of their phone. Yeah. You know, they're, they're not inspired within their own lives and they're, they're not having an understanding of what their purpose and mission is to be here. So that's where uh, the human animal comes in the lower form of consciousness and it wants to have that pleasure pleasure hit as opposed to uh, being on purpose so that that is that that to me is an axiological problem that is has been tapped into we could say um, by bigger tech companies to understand human behavior and know that humans are predominantly um, easy to influence relative where they are in states of awareness. And if you can keep them dumb with a smartphone, then, and I love the fact that you say now, like the younger generation that are coming into fuller consciousness are going back to a dumb phone. <laughs> so they're, they're recovering. They're the smarter human beings that are actually creating that complementary opposite with the dumb phone. But then we have, you know, what I call like the, the denser humans in awareness that are with the smartphone. So, you know, in essence, there is an equilibrium that's already occurring there, whether people are conscious to that or not. But there's a there's one there's an example I want to bring up. There's a there was a friend of well, a colleague of mine um had a friend who passed away who was very much into the um not so the esoteric healings, but more like the bioenergetic healing aspect of the body. Um, but he set up his house as a full smart home and rode around in a Tesla car to prove that fact and he died of a stroke <laughs> interesting so it's like you need both yeah. sides of the, the this this pendulum I, I see it as a pendulum you know this these companies they might think they're hacking you here but they they we can only get pushed so far here until it comes back Exactly. And that's universal laws of the law of polarity and the law of correspondence and, uh, you know, the pendulation, whether you have an awareness of that is, you know, to me, the higher consciousness human has an awareness of the pendulation that's occurring relative to universal constructs or universal laws. And so you play within that field, but those that who are not aware or um, they simply don't know and that's they're not wrong in that they just don't know because they don't have enough data or information they yeah. will be swung in the pendulation and uh, you know it has to maintain universe has to maintain well universe abhors a vacuum so it has to maintain some sentiment of balance 
And we use the word, the law of a risk escalation for that which goes up must come down. And we see that even in a neurochemistry, that's how it's actually balanced that way. So I rather actually to play cause and effect in my own life rather than be affected by the cause of others. Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, this is, you know, like, thank you for coming on and sharing the wisdom of light. You know, this has been so wonderful. Um, Chris, I really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, how can people actually, if they want to jump in and, and learn a little bit more from you about light, about EMF, or about the products that you actually do provide to help people with their journey, how can they actually source or contact you? Yeah, I've got a site. It's um, www.bio, which is bio-light.co. And okay. there's some uh, recent uh, sort of, in, well, presentation I've done, I've done on there, which covers a lot of the in, more in-depth nature of what we've spoken about. They can access the products, so like blocking glasses, um, bulbs and, and lighting for their homes. But I like people to, there's a link on there to book in with me. I like to do half hour with people and just run through where they're at and where they're actually, where the starting point might be instead of them just going away and buying something and not knowing how to apply it properly. So I do offer that. Um, also, and probably share it in the show notes too, I've, I've just co-designed a course for the public called EMFs Made Simple with my doctor. And that's really a very foundational dive into how to um, understand technology, how to balance out uh, the, the radio frequency side and, and, and use it and hack it and make it safer in your home and, and also your environment that you're in. So uh, that's launching uh, mid next month. So yeah, excited oh. about that as a tool, as a tool you know. Um, yeah. And again, very much no, I'm not anti-tech. I'm like, we just have to have a balance. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what this stuff is doing to educate people on. That's amazing. And, um, you know, it's, I think it's great that there is a tool available to start your journey in this process. So if, if you uh, enjoy this podcast and you're totally into or down for uh, spending some more time with Chris, then we will put his details in the show notes that you can actually connect with him there. And um, I hope that you do. And um, if you have any other questions regarding or queries or concerns relative to this pod, also too, you can just shoot us a DM um, and we will get back to you with any way that we can actually help you in any way, shape or form. So again, thanks, Chris. Thank you for joining me on the Human Source Codex. It's been great. I really enjoyed this. I love your work. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you.